Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at GodSolutionShow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst. And I'm Graham Percet. And we are thrilled that you're tuned back in for the second part of our interview with Dr. Gerald Schroeder. If you missed last week's interview, go to GodSolutionShow.com and get that. You don't want to miss it. Dr. Schroeder's resolution to the age of the universe problem and the six days of Genesis issue is one that you do not want to miss. It's a great resolution, and we will get back into it again today. And so you don't want to miss it. But go to GodSolutionShow.com and get last week's uh, part one of the interview with Dr. Schroeder. You can find out a lot about Dr. Gerald Schroeder at GeraldSchroeder.com. That's G-E-R-A-L-D-S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. But let me tell you a little bit about him before we get to the second part of the interview. He is a world-renowned scientist who works at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem He is respected for his expertise on a broad range of issues. He's completed his bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degrees all at MIT. He's authored numerous books, academic journal articles, and other respected publications. He speaks around the world on issues like the emerging agreement and confluence of discoveries in science and the truth of the Bible. He consults governments around the world on issues like nuclear disarmament. His books include God According to God, The Hidden Face of God, The Science of God, Genesis and the Big Bang, and, well, what about dinosaurs? Again, you can learn more about Dr. Schroeder at GeraldSchroeder.com, and that is spelled G-E-R-A-L-D-S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R.com. So I invited Dr. Schroeder to come on the show to talk about his resolution to the Age of the Universe issue and the Six Days of Creation. Last week, he got into that. We talked to him about some other things like the reliability of Genesis, the reliability of the Old Testament and the Bible, the reliability of all that, the scientific evidence for God. We talked about a lot of that. Again, you don't want to miss it. This week, we're going to dive back into the issue of the six days of Genesis. We stopped talking about that last week, and here we pick up talking about that again this week in part two of the interview with Dr. Gerald Schroeder from creation up to Adam, it's cosmic time. We measure that span as 14 billion years. The Bible sees it as six 24-hour days. And I'll tell you, when the number came out of the equation, even when I speak with now, I get goose pimples. My kids are saying, oh, daddy, obviously we're, Abba, Abba, your hair standing up. It's, it's scary. It actually matches because when we, I have to transfer these 14 billion years to my perspective, looking back in history, back to the beginning looking forward from, the, from just after the creation. There are nuances. At my website, I deal with this. and my books, I deal with it. So we want the details. But as we, go, as we move information back to an earlier and earlier time, as we measure from our time, but now going back, we go back to the time when the universe is smaller and smaller. Remember, the universe starts at a small point and expands out. And the key is that when you transfer information back in time to a time when the universe is smaller, or is more compressed, 
time compresses exactly one on one. Any astronomer that's listening to this, we listen to this program right now, see you, what's the big deal? We know that. Everyone knows that. Everyone that's in astronomy knows it. And it turns out that the ratio of this expansion of the Earth, of the universe, from the beginning when the clock begins, when matter forms and going forward, that expansion, if I run it back in time, I can measure the expansion. Those are numbers that we know. We don't know the exact size of the universe, but we know how much bigger it is now than, uh, say, then, okay? There's a then has a nuance to it, but, and that, that ratio turns out to be, and it's not my number, I'll make it very clear, it's not my number, it's 900 billion. Well, either Nate or Grant, if you got a piece of paper, you put 14 billion years and then divide it by 900 billion. 900 billion is how much the expansion is, so I have to go back by 900 billion, I have to compress it, because I'm, I'm going back to an earlier time, an earlier view of time, the Bible's view of time, and that's an, ex- an expansion or reverse compression of 900 billion. Well, when you divide 914 billion years by 900 billion, the billions drop off because it's 14 billion years divided by 900 billion, a ratio. You get 14 years divided by 900 because the billions drop. And that comes out to equal, it's hard to believe, five and a half days, which is an exact match. It's almost embarrassing because Adam is created, verse 27 of Genesis 1, which is halfway through the sixth day. It's five and a half days. I have no control over the number zero. When that number came out, it sounds dopey. It made me sound corny, but I almost started to cry. <laughs> Doesn't sound corny it's at all. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing to see this, this correspondence between science and the Bible. And you know what? I feel the same way. I, I took my background is in chemistry, and I took multiple classes in quantum mechanics, and, you know, physical chemistry deals with quantum mechanics, and I took modern physics that dealt with quantum mechanics, and this simple solution never even occurred to me, and uh, I almost felt uh, stupid, for lack of a better word. When I heard you explain it, I thought, well, golly, I should have thought of that. It it just seems so... um, clear and right in front of our faces and right there, and I'm so thankful that you flushed it out for us. Well, and the whole key is, the first day says day one. Yeah. And these ancient commentators say, why not a first? And they give the answer, because there wasn't a second day. Now, but what, I, what I have to ask in the answer, Nate, is that why did that interest them, uh, these commentators, almost 1,000 or 2,000 years ago? Did they know modern astronomy? But it did interest them because they, they were interested in the Bible. Well, that's understandable. That's from God. But these commentators zeroed in on the fact that it says day one and not a first day, but it says second day, third day. This whole switch. And then what's so important at Adam, creation of Adam, verse 27, the Bible switches perspective. And that's why we read further on that Adam and Eve had the third kid set. So many years, etc. They're having, they're having peep kids on earth. So that's earth time, our time. But before that, it's Bible time, cosmic time, however we want to say it. It's beautiful. It is. It's as beautiful as the rainbow we just saw and, this, and when the rainstorm was, was coming by. You know, this magic, magnificent hoop of these colors and you know, think of the wavelengths and you know, all the physics that allows it to happen. Let me try and summarize a little bit of what you're saying for those in the audience that might not be as familiar with the science. Basically, what you're saying is that based on Einstein's theory of general relativity, based on what we know about time and the universe, 
time is and based on astronomy and based on astronomy based, on, based astronomy. on astronomy okay. we know that time is uh, is a component of the physical universe you've heard of the time space continuum and we know the bible even talks about the expansion of the universe many times it says god stretches out the heavens it's a continuing action and uh, based on the reality of the expansion of the universe and this expansion factor of 900 billion years, we can see that time as measured from our perspective of uh, 14, 15, 16 billion years would be exactly what we see in Genesis from God's perspective, six 24-hour days. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, from the Bible's perspective. Yeah, you know, yes. Yeah, I, I urge you, for if, they, if a person has a question that they, if they go to my website, there, there are several articles there, and one of those is the age of the universe, and it leads you in very friendly, gentle terms, what we just, what I just got done, and we're both saying about now, it's called the age, in my books I have it, more in the science of God, the second book, but, but you can get it for free on my website, just go, just look at the article, it's five pages, take about a half an hour to read, and it leads you literally by the hand, it's not a trick, it is not a trick, you don't, I'm, I don't want to talk about books and bestsellers, but in any event, it's not a trick. It's the, the number of people that have read the books is thank, thank, are vast numbers, and no one has refuted it. Mm -hmm. It may annoy some people. It may annoy some people that the Bible happens to match this, but, but it's the reality. Yeah, and if you're listening, you can get that at GeraldSchroeder.com under the first tab, which is the articles tab. So GeraldSchroeder.com, and right under the article tab, you'll see the article that he's talking about, which is the age of the universe. You so, know my website better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're kind of looking at it on the side here. <laughs> I'm, I'm cheating, Dr. Schroeder. Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't fail us. Don't fail us uh, for cheating on the test here. Um, okay. So bottom line is you believe in a literal six creation days as described in Genesis, Correct. Not sunrise, sunset, but six 24-hour days, and all ancient commentary says exactly the same thing. And the Bible says day. The Hebrew word is yom. And at, at the end of each of these days, the Bible uses the word yom, day. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's... So, e so even though the sun isn't, is or not mentioned yet, to Mikhail, all the ancient commentators say each day was 24 hours long, like the six days of our work week. Now, I, I have a question for you. Um, this isn't one that I was planning to ask, but in Psalm 90, verse 4, we see that same word, yom, again. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it was past, or as a watch in the night. Yeah. Uh, what, what's going on with that verse? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you notice that in one sentence, three, three, three measurements of the same amount of time are mentioned. It's mentioned that a, a day is like a thousand years, or like a watch in the night, which is like maybe eight hours or so, seven or eight hours. So in one sentence, we see three perspectives of time for the same amount, for the same duration. You know, a day, a thousand years in God's sight, a watch in the night, a human understanding. So there's three measurements of time in one sentence, which tells us very clearly that your perspective of how much time goes by is totally totally upon the word I just used, your perspective, how you're viewing the time. That's, that key is there. And in fact, 
That's his exact, that's, that's one of the keys. That's in yes, Psalm 90, verse 4. And uh, the, then the Bible gives us its perspective. And its perspective is in the beginning looking forward. I always say it's God. It's, I don't call it God's perspective of time, although I do make that statement in Genesis, the Big Bang. I wish I could change that. It's the Bible's perspective of time. And God presented a perspective, perspective that would allow us to understand this. So the perspective of the Bible as brought to us by God is from the beginning looking forward. Can I just, I'd like to add just one, one little thing here yeah, if I'm allowed yeah, yeah, yeah. to. A very, dear, a very dear colleague of mine, Arnie Novak, he should rest in peace, he died about 10 years ago, unfortunately, of cancer. But he said, why, why would he, he said something beautiful. He said, the Bible could have just said God created the world and then we have people, okay? But, but God laid out a flow of how it developed over time over these six days, right? First is the universe, then there's, then there's the lights in the heavens, then there's you know, the plants, et cetera, et cetera, and finally get to people. So there's a process going on here. And he already said, this is very beautiful. You know, he said that the Bible could have just said something simply, you know, God created the universe, and then jump right to people. But the Bible gave us this, these hints, these hints, not by bending the Bible, ancient commentary again, that, that let us dig deeper into it. And, and then his statement was so deep, he said, We've, we are so fortunate in our time, because for the first time in the history of humans, we finally know enough about the universe to dig into these words, to dig into these words, these concepts, day one, another first, etc., and understand the meaning of the universe. They went on supposing the Bible instead just wanted to give us all the information. So I, I'm doing this from memory. I don't have his essay in front of me. He said, well, it would be something like that. Before there was a physical universe, there was God, and God created the laws of nature. Now, using the laws of nature, there was something called a quantum fluctuation. And a quantum fluctuation coupled with the laws of relativity would then bring this in. You know what the people would have said to Moses? Go back up there and get us another story. <laughs> I mean, we can't even understand a quantum fluctuation today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the Bible tells us in subtle words, and, that's what, and that is exactly what that proof of God in five minutes is about. It only deals with one thing. The creation of the universe, nothing else. That first, from nothing into something. That's what it deals with. It doesn't deal with evolution. That just those first, that first pop, yeah. when there was nothing, there was something. It's really worthwhile, and it's a small investment of time. Just go to Google. Just type in "proof of God" in five minutes. It usually comes right up. Definitely go there and check it out. So I asked Dr. Uh, John Oswalt, who's an Old Testament professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, this question. I said. Is the Bible written in such a way that the scientific statements are both accurate in the ancient world and accurate in our modern world in this sense? In the sense that an ancient reader reading in an ancient culture could look at it and say, yes, that's true. And a modern reader in a modern culture with an understanding of the text could see exactly how it's true. And he said, you got it, Nate. That's exactly it. You know, the Bible wasn't written in modern scientific language because the people then wouldn't understand it. And even though it's written in this ancient language, we can also discover the modern scientific truth in it. In other words, it's God's word for all people of all time, not just written for one people of one time. And uh, so Oswald agreed with that. Is that kind of what I'm, I'm hearing from you as well? I think it's a beautiful statement that I never thought of saying it the way he, the way uh, Professor Oswald, or whatever his appellation, what his name, title is, but I had never thought of it saying it, but that's a beautiful way of saying it, and it's what I've been saying, but he said it much more nice, he said it more nicely than I've said it. <laughs> you know, the idea that it's, wow. it's, it's, yeah, 
It so, is written in the language of man or man and woman, which is true for all time. Wow. Yeah, and as we understand it, then we had certain understandings, and now we had understandings. And, and the, but the more, we, the more we zero in, the more that there's less slack in how we understand the universe, the more that we now know there definitely was a creation, the more that we know certain about expansions, then there's less slack in how you can interpret the universe. And so it becomes more and more definitive, and the, and the definition becomes more and more in line with, with, with the depths of the Hebrew text. So uh, anyway, that's, it's, just, it's just good news. <laughs> it is. It's good news for humanity. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. I'm always amazed by the science in the Bible. We, we see that the Bible says that the universe began a finite time ago, and again, that was only confirmed within our lifetimes or within your lifetime. We see that the yeah, Bible absolutely. says that the universe is expanding. We see that the law of entropy is clearly described. The universe is wearing out like a garment. We see these scientific principles clearly elaborated on in Scripture, and I've, I've never connected the dots that general relativity, Psalm 90, verse 4, general relativity is there as well. So that was a, something fascinating to me to kind of make that connection today. And another note that I wanted to just make to clarify for our listeners is you made a, a distinction between the Bible's perspective on time and God's perspective on time. I incorrectly said God's view of time, but of course God created time, so God is not... Uh, subservient to time. So, of course, you are correct, and I'm wrong. Uh, we're talking about the Bible's perspective on time, since God is superior to time, correct? Correct, but I will tell you, that's the, that's the mistake I made in Genesis, my first book, Genesis and the Big Bang, where I called it God's perspective of time. It's, the, it's God's perspective of time as, as brought to us through the Bible. Yes. So it's really the Bible's perspective. So it, it's how God wants us to perceive time as it's brought in the Bible. So it's really, you know, in one sense, it's the Bible's, Bible's perspective of time. I don't think we know what God's perspective of time is. God's beyond time. So clarifying for the audience, what we're, what we're looking at is a modern scientific view that says that the universe is so many billions of years old. When we realize that there's been a, a, a 900 billion-fold expansion factor in the universe— we realize that that multi-billion-year age is exactly uh, congruent with six literal 24-hour days from a biblical perspective. So you're saying, yes, we can have six literal 24-hour days from the Bible's perspective, and yes, we would measure them from a human perspective in billions of years due to this expansion. That's correct. That's what you're saying, and I think that scientifically and biblically it makes all the sense in the world. Now, um, what do you think that this position is at odds with with modern scientific measurements? I think it's it's those numbers are scientific measurements. It's not at odds. It's, and what's interesting is that the age of the universe zeroes more and more into a specific number. My first book, my first book, it was somewhere between ten and twenty billion years. And it said, you know, go on. And now we have numbers that are quite, quite specific. It might be off by five or ten percent, but it's probably not off by twenty or thirty. And that just comes to uh, to match the Bible's understanding, mm. provided we understand the Bible's view of time. That's, you know, that's 
So my, 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 I guess my summary would be is that, yeah, the Bible got it right 3,500 years ago, and it took 3,500 years ago, 3,500 years for, repeat, for, for these beings in the world called people to figure out what the Bible was saying. It's the same with development of life. There's many, many nuances in the text, uh, but this is, this is often one that, that stands out. What you're saying is your resolution demonstrates the veracity of Genesis, and this is just another case of science catching up with what the Bible said long ago. Is that correct? That's, yes, exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, I want to ask you a final question, and I just love this. Dr. Robert Jastrow famously wrote, For the scientist who has lived by faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountain of ignorance, he is about to conquer the highest peak, and as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. How do you think Dr. Jastrow's quote relates to all that you've said today and all that you've learned about this over the years? Well, first, I think it's important for the readers to realize that Dr. Jastrow was the, one of the founding members of what's called NASA Today, the Goddard Space the think tank, the Goddard Space Institute, which is a think tank, for NASA, National Space Authority, Jastrow was the founding member. Okay, make it clear so they should understand the position of this man in the world. His position is, although he calls himself an agnostic, meaning he doesn't say there's no God, he just doesn't know for sure, but he does know, that's what he says, he does know that the creation, the Big Bang creation matches what the Bible has been saying. And that's what he said. When, when the scientist finally pulls himself over the final rock, he's greeted by a band of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries. <laughs> About 35, 35 centuries, about 3,500 years. That's the reality. He realizes that. Uh, you know, it's hard to give up if you are an agnostic. Now, now Anthony Flew did. Uh, I have no idea what, I don't, you know, in the final analysis, what, 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 Jast, what, what Jastrow's, uh, Professor Jastrow's theory on, on life, etc., is about, but he, his position in astronomy is unshakable. Mm -hmm. One of the founding members of NASA, you know, one of the earliest scientists, and, and the think tank got a space engineer, not a, not, a, not a space cadet. He was of the think tank that puts all these things together. So what's his, what's his feeling? His feeling is uh, that the Bible got it right. <laughs> okay? That's, that's, you know... I don't I have no idea how theologically that interacts with him, but that the Bible did get it right. I, I think after a while you, you can't push this stuff under the rug. No, no, no. He has another essay that well, he says another thing. He says when things when things like this come and they contradict, you know, a a known truth. Okay, that the universe is eternal. There's this known truth that was false. That the that scientists tend to ignore it. You know, the the average scientist just you want to ignore this sudden change towards. Theological truth. You've done fantastic research and work. I just want to say thank you for the great work and thoughts you've had. And I just want to give you a chance. Do you have any last words or anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, when, whenever there's a debate going on, the founder of the school where I teach the College of Jewish Studies, which you're all welcome, I teach it in English. So the College of Jewish Studies in the old city of Jerusalem, you can just, it's, just, it's just walking. You don't have to sign up for pay or come dressed as you are. So I could come this member, summer. I'm coming with a group of college students, maybe 30 students. Could we, uh, okay, could we think, sit in on a class? Yeah, yeah give me a phone call so I, I can will. make sure there's, there's space. I will do that. Answer, I, 100%. Yeah, I teach usually Sundays and Mondays. Awesome. You know, not, not just the weekend pretty. 
uh, absolutely answer is a total yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. The, uh, the, uh, the, the founder, Noah Weinberger, blessed memory, Rabbi Noah Weinberger, a brilliant human being, he, he said something very important. He said, in any debate that you're having, it doesn't matter what the debate's about, the first thing you have to do is define your terms. What do you mean when you use different words? And that's so cool. It's crucial in evolution. It's crucial in the origin of humans. It's crucial in every aspect. So I would suggest that persons who have, who have a have a problem, it may very well be either not fully understanding science, not fully understanding the Bible, but there are sources out there that, in reader-friendly terms, in layperson-friendly terms, can help bring this this confluence, this this not bending the Bible, not bending the science, but this confluence between true science and true Bible. And I think that's the key. Knowledge is the key. Knowledge is always good. Mm-hmm. It's never bad. How you use the knowledge is your own business, but knowledge is always good. So I urge your, your, your listeners to, if these things bother them, from, um, look, having been author of these types of books, I'm fortunate many, 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 many thousands of people have this problem. It's selfish to say it, but, but you know, that's why they get the books. But, but so not everyone listening to your program may be challenged by by this, but if you grow up and you have kids and grandkids and they come home and start asking questions, you want the tools to answer them. Not not to answer them in terms that will eventually be shown to be wrong. Answer them in terms that are solid. And a few, there's a few of those essays there give you solid answers. Those articles in the on the website, the books have more obviously, but knowledge is a great thing when conflict shows up. So, uh, and understanding what the terms are. So I guess that pretty much wraps it up for what, how I see the world. That's a great way to wrap anyway. it up. You can get those essays at GeraldSchroeder.com. Again, that's GeraldSchroeder.com. And you can find Dr. Schroeder's books on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Some of those that you should look for are God According to God, The Hidden Face of God, The Science of God, Genesis and the Big Bang, and, well, What About Dinosaurs? Well, Dr. Schroeder, it has been an incredible privilege to spend some time with you. I don't want to take any more of your time, but thank you so much for joining us on the God Solution Show. Thank you, Dr. Schroeder. Thank you. Thank you, both of you, and have a wonderful day. We have nighttime here. <laughs> okay, we should well, have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful night. Thank you to my shake. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom to everyone. Good night now. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Good night. Well, that concludes our interview with Dr. Gerald Schroeder. Again, go to GeraldSchroeder.com to find out more about Dr. Schroeder and to see more about his works and to investigate a lot of the resources he has there at his site, including his books, which I suggest you check out as well. Anyway, again, I think his resolution of the issue is one of the best I've ever heard. You know, typically you hear this debate. The Bible talks about six days of creation. And of course, anybody that's studied the topic will realize there are many different ways to look at this. And that doesn't mean that we look at it metaphorically or something like that. Looking at it literally, there are different ways to look at it because it is not as clear as some would have it look. There are different ways to look at it, especially when we realize things like the word yom and the different ways it was used in the Old Testament and things like that. Anyway, quite often we hear this this false dilemma that it's young, literal, 24-hour days, and therefore science is wrong, or science says the earth is old, and therefore the Bible is wrong. And what we heard from Dr. Schroeder is that both of those statements are wrong. He said very clearly the earth was really created, and the universe as well, I should say, 
and six literal 24-hour days. But because of the 900 billion-fold expansion of the universe, from our period, what looks to be 14 billion years, from the biblical perspective, would be six 24-hour days. Incredible. And the math is there to show that this is an accurate statement. So anyway, I would encourage you to check out the show if you didn't catch it all. Go to GodSolutionShow.com for this show and all of our past shows. And what I want to bring you to today, though, is the point of faith in God. You know, the Bible really is accurate, and it points to someone very special. The Bible says that God loves you and that you and I are sinners. And the Bible claims that, that God sent his own son to die for us, that whoever believes in him would be saved. So my hope for you is that you'd put your faith in Jesus today if you haven't already. Simply say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Please come into my life as Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Well, that's the gospel, quite simply, and it is life-changing. It's changed my life and so many others as well. Well, the evidence for God is compelling. It is not something that is disproven by science. I really hope that you will take to heart what you've learned today and that you'll be excited that the evidence is so compelling. Well, as we close, I encourage you once again, go to GeraldSchroeder.com and also go to GodSolutionShow.com. Get all of our past interviews there. Let us know what you think about the show. Make a tax-deductible donation to keep the show going. Whatever you want. But please share this with your friends and, and visit God Solution Show as well. Well, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.